Chill, Thought Warriors. What is up? Our learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Rachel, I got a new nickname for you. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't want it. I rebuke it. It's like if I don't Rachel, receive it, you can't give it to me. Rachel Tex-Mex Lindsay. <laughs> that's good. That's a good nickname. What have your DMs been telling you? What have your DMs <laughs> you know I mean? been telling you? Hey, hey, bro. People have been I coming say at something. me. Coming at I want to say something to everybody in my DMs. I don't care about that Tex-Mex shit. This is an excuse for us to have a a fucking food off. And I've learned so much about Tex-Mex in the last couple of days. First of all, they say that you can't compare Tex-Mex to Mexican food. It's, it's different. Okay, so then you're not even talking about the same but thing. But like Texas is known for Tex-Mex. Right. So that's why I you the one there, who wanted to do the Mexican food versus there's Tex-Mex. one whole there's only one Tex-Mex place in all of Los Angeles that I know of. It's Justin Queso's on Sunset. You ever be there? No. Justin Queso? It's, it's actually not bad, you know. But that's the only place that's that's pretty good actually. It tastes good. Um uh that's the only place I know. So so there's no it's everything's canceled because there's no <laughs> You you never said that the Mexican food was better. You said that it was the Tex-Mex. And I, I got did. people sending me, what the fuck do y'all be going through? I love y'all so much. I love people. What are they people, saying to you? Sometimes people send me shit and they don't expect me to respond. But I'll, I'm just going to respond. People sent me long things about the history of Tex-Mex. It's actually not bad, though. It's, it's not, not bad. bad I feel like you would curious. respond to somebody if you were passionate about it in a very long DM as well. These are your people. They're not in my DMs. Yeah, because they, they, they know that you're not going to respond. <laughs> Y'all message me. I'm getting, I feel left out. I'm going to respond. Message me. Can I just say, I met so many thought warriors when I was in New York. I cannot tell you how many people. I'm at the Brooklyn Nets game. So many people were coming up to tell me how much they love the podcast, thanking me for the conversations that you and I have about black and Jewish people and everything that's gone on. They love the discourse. They've been sending it on to their other friends. I'm telling you, I had lunch with a friend. She's like, I was just talking to my friend and they said, hey, you should listen to this podcast. And she's like, this is Callie, Callie. She's like, I, I'm, I'm a part of the ringer as well. So she's like, yeah, I know them. Man, shout out Callie Curry, man. Yeah. Shout out Callie motherfucking Curry. Shout out to the entire <laughs> Rivers he loves Curry this. fan <laughs> family. I love them, man. I know you do. You do it. But you time. understand? Y'all don't understand. I've been knowing Austin. I've been knowing does Austin. This, Austin does this all the time. Austin, Donnie, one of the, the best the guys. Sound, the sound. Okay, the sound, Donnie. We haven't, done, we haven't you, done this in a you, while. Hold on, hold on. Why I don't you get the sound? I didn't you brought up. I didn't what are you talking about? You did, you just brought up that you was at the I game. Was with, telling, see what I'm saying? No, I wasn't Picking at the game with Cali. I wasn't at the game with Cali. I was at the game with somebody else. But what I said was I had lunch with a friend. I was like, oh, no, she worked. You know who she is. You are named no. dropping. Donnie, ding Wait, it up. Donnie, Donnie, hold on. Donnie, who said Callie's name first? Rachel, you, you did say it. <laughs> yes. I did. I did. Yeah. So what are you talking about? I'm telling the story. <laughs> oh, my God. See what I'm saying? Like, see, see, see how this shit is unfair? <laughs> It's unfair. I'm saying I love their family. Okay. It was unfair. Oh, and you do love that, their family. You do. It's my favorite collection of light skins. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like a cult. 
You know what I mean? Because it's like it's, it really is like a light skinned cult. Think about it. Steph's sister married Damian Lee. Yeah, I ran into them for the sun. Light skin. Okay. Then you got Steph and Aisha. Beautiful family. Light. You got you got the curry in the river situation. Light. Light. It's like they're like, you know, they they so down. They blackity black, 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 right? But yeah. it's a light skin situation going on. I'm a I'm a <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna crash this shit. I'm gonna bring you my brown do? ass. I'm a, I'm gonna bring my brown ass up in their place and just fucked up the paper bag test all over their Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> what a great group of people. Um okay. Please make sure they listen to this. <laughs> all right. Um enough about light skinned people. We have to talk about some incredibly devastating and very disappointing news. Uh, the death of takeoff is the big deal of the day. We'll have that on the other side of this of this break. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Uh, everyone knows by now. Um, tears are still being cried. Fresh tears. Uh, take off. Kirsnik Kari Ball. 28 years old. One third of one of the most important hip hop groups. Really in the history of this genre. You guys can say whatever you want about it. It's true. He was shot and killed Tuesday outside the front door of a downtown Houston bowling alley. Um, Houston Police Chief Troy Finner confirmed the press conference that afternoon. Got many calls out from inside of Houston, outside of Houston. Everyone spoke of what a great young man this is, how peaceful he is, what a great artist he was. That's true. The people that were upset about the death of Takeoff were um, were upset because, you know, for them, Takeoff was one of the most approachable guys, one of the sweetest guys, easy guy to talk to, uh, easy guy to get along with. Um, apparently there was a private party. He was there with Quavo. Him and Quavo have been making music on their own. There was some animus between them and Offset that is neither here nor there now, but they have been hanging out pretty tough. Uh, for those of you who might not understand or be aware, um, Quavo is actually Takeoff's uncle. All the, the Migos are related. Altercation broke out 
Quavo was not injured in the incident, but it looks like takeoff was shot three times. He died on the scene. Rachel? Yeah, so I I, I was in New York. I was by myself. I, I woke up in the morning, and the first thing that I usually do is look at my phone, and I look at I look at the news and what's trending on Twitter. And it's scary now because you see somebody's name trending on Twitter and your thought immediately goes there. And then you click on the name and you're like, whew, okay, you know, they just said something or they dropped some new music or new movie or, or something, something like that. So to see takeoff trending and then to see what happened, it just took my breath away. Because you're like, one, you're you're like, not again. You're angry. You're frustrated. You're, you immediately start searching for answers why. It doesn't change what happened, but immediately you're like, how did this happen? What happened? And in the middle, and you can't talk about one without the other. So immediately when you're starting to search for answers on, is this real? Is this, you know, what happened? You're hit with videos and photos. Yeah of it mm-hmm. and you're not looking for it you don't want to see it but you can't miss it because mm-hmm. so many people are so quick to want to post a lifeless body on on social media yeah and it's this it's as scary as it is with the way we're we're losing our black men the way, you know, these public figures, rappers, you know, whatever you want to talk about, say in the same way that that is scary and it makes you fearful of your own life. It is just as scary how quick we are to want to throw up a video or a photo of someone dying and not consider anybody else in the process, not their family, not their friends, not someone who has had a similar tragedy, not someone just being a, a black person scared when they when they step outside that they might be, uh, you know, that they're fearful of their own lives in the same way. We just are totally void, it seems like, of a feeling when it comes to the death and and just life in general. And it's it's so terrifying. And I couldn't separate the two. I couldn't stop thinking about this senseless tragedy and how it happened. And then the fact that I saw, I saw his body as well. Same thing with PNB Rock. It's all in the same way. We saw Nipsey. Like it's it's just such a tragedy. And I'll just stop it there before talking about anything else. So there are there are many things here. Many things. Mm-hmm. During the show, I got an intimate firsthand account of what I call the one thing regret. Everybody goes through the one thing regret. I lost a friend. I've talked about this guy before. You know, his name is uh, George Temple. His name was George Temple. He cut off a funeral procession, right? And then he got into it with a cop. When he got into it with the cop, somebody walked out of an auto zone and killed George. Shot George a bunch of times. It's very hard. Um, And I would think, man, I would think to myself, I would be like, yo, what if George was 10 minutes earlier? Mm-hmm. What if George 
it was 10 minutes later. What if the person whose funeral it was hadn't have died? Just so many one things that would change that. So many one things, you know? So many mornings you go out to your car and your car's on a flat. You're going to leave at a certain time, you know, but you get held up. You know, what if whatever GT was going to do wouldn't have been that day? Mm-hmm. When I look at this, I start to break down the things that are going on here. And I think about the ones that are uncontrollable. And that, of course, makes me think about the ones that were controllable and avoidable. There's a fracas over something, it seems to be. All of these reports are hearsay, unconfirmed from eyewitness accounts of people who were not sure there. They might have been there. They might have not been there. Ack went on his his uh, his uh, Twitch, his YouTube, and some people say he solved the whole crime. Okay. Um, and there's, of course, everybody's pointing fingers. Blame, 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 blame. Um, if in fact there was an argument that led to someone shooting, you know, at first I heard that takeoff was shot by a stray bullet, but now I see that takeoff was shot three times. So was he shot by three straight bullets? It's possible, you know, but it seemed, it would seem more likely that you would hit, be hit by one. It's about whose protection he was under, all of this kind of stuff. Everyone's pointing fingers at everyone. Right. Except for the fact, and I, I, I wonder if people care because if we care, when I say care, I mean, I wonder if we really care because there are ways to avoid outcomes like this. There are. I saw the entire hip hop world respond to the death of takeoff with the appropriate sadness, gut wrenching messages to further the RIP culture that we're in. Mm-hmm. We're in mm-hmm. this weird RIP mm-hmm. culture. Rest in peace to my dog. Let's post the pictures of us together. Let's post the text, the last text message that was sent. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. But don't worry because Thanksgiving's in three weeks. And by that time, the only people who remember and take off will be his family because that is how fast things move. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. What I'm wondering is if you really care, if you care enough to admit some things that are tough. And these are the things. It is absolutely true that white supremacy, gangster capitalism and socioeconomic terrorism has put a part of our community in a place where we're forced to make very difficult, sometimes illicit and dysfunctional decisions. A lot of people wonder why, like we're so used to some of the stuff that we grew up around. Like we would be at home back in Baton Rouge and it just seemed normal. But you put somebody in a dysfunctional situation, of course they'll get used to it. Human beings can get used to anything. Like you get used to prison. You'll get institutionalized to where you don't want to be free. It'll happen. Like it happens all the time. You'd rather be in jail than be able to eat a Big Mac, which Rachel has never had. You know, so obviously you can get used to live and living sure. in a fucked up place. 
The question is not if you can get used to it. The question I'm wondering is can you get unused to it? Can you get to a point to where you no longer feel the need if you are lucky enough to have transcended, right? To where you no longer feel the need to be a certain way, have a certain posture, or put yourself in certain positions. This is not saying that takeoff put himself in any certain positions. What I'm saying is that the streets fucking suck. All of that street shit that has been ballyhooed, talked about, worshipped, packaged, sold, commodified for all of these years that looked so cool to us. It sucks. Is stupid. Is dumb. You get one fucking life. You get one. You get one. A billion years from now, takeoff will still be dead. Mm-hmm. Like you get one life. One life. For you to give it up, for you to be willing to give up at 20, give something up, <laughs> we got to really think about this. We, we can't think about, I get that we got used to certain things, that we had to normalize certain things. I'm asking the question, can we stop? But in a real way, and I mean everything. I'm not talking about, look, I'm, what I'm going to get back is, I'm not talking about fucking rap music. I'm not talking about none of that. I'm talking about this. Dealing drugs is bad, period. Dealing drugs is bad. Did, did, were there choices for a lot of people? No. They did a bad thing because they had no other choices. Dealing drugs and putting that shit out is bad. It's bad. A lot of things are bad, but that's one of them. Shit, working at TMZ is probably bad, but dealing drugs is bad. Fine. Dealing drugs is bad. Being like being having an itchy trigger finger is bad. There's nothing dope about being so hard that you're willing to kill. All of these things in the net are bad. And I'm and Takeoff wasn't even the one in the fucking argument. Two other people got shot. Two other people, like there was somebody there whose ego, for whatever reason, couldn't take the fact that there was an argument. They pull out and they start letting some go. Right. Over what? And if we're and if we're if we're unable to properly diagnose the fact that there, there is an entire lifestyle and a way of life that is not leading to positive outcomes for a large portion of our community, not even a large portion of our community, for a very valuable portion of our community, for people that we love and care about, then we don't fucking care. Everybody stop fronting. Stop acting like you're a gangster when you gotta stop acting like you this, stop acting like you that, stop leading with all of this shit that's on your chest. Figure your shit out. It's time. Okay. You say it's not music. You say you're not talking about rap music. 
And you talk about. I'm not talking about just rap music. No, I, right. Yeah. And you say drugs, dealing drugs is bad, right? Having a an, an, an itchy trigger finger is bad. What is it that makes it seem so cool to do those things? Well, I what, mean, that's easy. what is. That's easy. Okay. It's not just us that thinks those things are cool. I know. Snoop Dogg yeah. posted a video the other day with two white kids looking like they were in the middle of the streets of their suburbs, uh, acting like they were shooting an AR. Like, they, uh, singing a rap song, making their own music video, acting like they were shooting an AR because they thought it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we're going to change that, you got to change what what is highlighting, like what makes that seem cool? What are the things... Mm-hmm that are doing that is it is it music is it lifestyle is it culture is it like what makes that cool what makes people want to pretend like they're shooting an ar what makes Hmm. people want to pretend like they're living that lifestyle and i think that's go ahead yeah no go ahead my bad i'm sorry no i'm saying that's what you got it that's that's the core of it like that's what you if you're gonna stop it make it that's gotta stop right makes what you gotta stop making people aspire for that So a part of this comes from the fact that uh, being a black American is like you're in a lot of ways. And I can't speak for all over the place. In a lot of ways, uh, being a black American adult, at least for me, was about how much you've been through. Right. How much you survived. Like I'm not from I'm not from the suburbs. I'm from the streets. I'm from this place. I'm from that place. Right. I have come through our existence is so connected to struggle. Correct. Our existence is so connected to overcoming. People think that if you don't overcome something, that you're not a fully formed human being. My point is very few people in life get to 30 years old without having overcome something. Thank you. The question is, what are you overcoming? To me, a lot of the things that seem just normal to me are extraordinary looking back. And that's because I'm not in the same situation that I was in 1996. Mm-hmm. So what I'm wondering is if, is if we care enough to be like, hey, there are certain parts of this that we really need to, you know, let me put it like this. Fuck it. The street shit is done. The street shit sucks, man. So like, seriously, I, I I don't know why I'm being around the bush. I don't want to, man, niggas is out there doing it. Y'all doing whatever. The street shit, the street shit sucks. The street shit's got to stop. And when I say it's got to stop, I'm not talking about the fact that people like are not going to do crime and do whatever they have to do, but we have got to stop romanticizing the streets. That's We it. have got to stop romanticizing the streets. And by the way, when I say us, I'm like, I'm like, look, I'm being real. So People are going to say, hey, Van, everybody romanticizes the streets. That's right. They do. They do. The greatest uh, fucking movie of all time is what? The Godfather. Some street shit. The greatest TV show of all time, The Sopranos. Some street shit. Like people who live counter and like outside of American culture, laws and structures will always be, will always be to people that are living inside of those things. They'll always be like, hey. Like America likes a rebel. America likes somebody that says, fuck, and I'm going to do whatever I want. Somebody who doesn't stand in line. I get that. I understand all of that stuff. But what I'm telling you is that, like, 
we can't have a significant group of people who are influenced by either hyper uncontrollable violence criminality or anything like that we have got to put that shit in a box because the niggas that we're talking about excuse me the black men that we're talking about they're not criminals anymore right they have no business getting murdered they just mm-hmm. don't they have no business getting murdered and and by the way nobody has any exist. business getting murdered over Thank this you. stuff yeah. like no like like the fact that be honest with you about something else because I'm just babbling now and emoting and not being as smart as I need to be, but I really am sick of this. We had Michael Rappaport on this on this podcast not too long ago, right? Some time mm-hmm. ago. I yelled on him for posting all of that shit. I'm not so sure he's not right. And mm-hmm. I, I, I and 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 look. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that every single fucking day we need to be inundated with the images of people who America is consistently forgetting because the only time we're reminded of the incredible changes that need to happen in certain points of this, this, this country is when we lose a rapper. And then we see that there's no escape from the cloud of dysfunction and violence that sometimes follows us around because we can't get away from it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm mad because it's a fucking white boy, right? On his fucking shit, posting shit every day, referring to the people as whatever, whatever. It feels wrong. It feels weird. But the reality is <laughs> we live too much life. We live too much without remembering how certain people are facing their everyday life and how it can't they can't shake it even when they get to the next point of where they're going. Mm. How you make fucking $15 million and you still end up dead in a fucking bowling alley. Yeah. Like we, like, I, like, like how do you, him at the bowling alley, Dolph buying cookies, rock at the motherfucking uh, Roscoe's chicken and waffles. This shit is wild. You know, like it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. wild. And there's so much death. It's everywhere. Everyone and no and, and we we continuing to make excuses for things that we've had to make our peace with a long time ago. I get why we had to make our peace with understanding, but I'm telling you right now, the conversation we have with America is incredibly important. America owes black people so much, mm-hmm. but we have got to have a serious, full-throated, not for public consumption, not with sponsors. We have to have a conversation with ourselves. Yeah. And it's not to make nobody feel bad. It's not to put nobody on the outside. It's to be real about shit. We want y'all to live. We want y'all to we want y'all to live. We want y'all to live even if y'all don't understand what that is. We want to redefine what living means for our brothers and sisters who don't have a good grasp on it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's it's not so much this shit is this shit is dumb. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Telling you by next week nobody's gonna be talking about it. 
Something else gonna happen. Well, sadly, that's just even if nothing does happen, nobody's gonna be talking about it because that's just that seems to be the society. That seems to be human nature. You move on, or as I said at the top of all of this, we're so desensitized to it. Looking at a dead body and then moving on next week like it's nothing because we just saw one the week before, the month before, whatever. Yeah. You guys, I'm sorry. None of that was smart. None of that was put together. Yes, it was. Stop. Is is like no, you know no, what it was? No it was passionate, and we're tired yeah. of having to have, and we're tired of having to talk about it. That's what I really thought. I was like, we gonna have to talk about this again. Yeah. How many times do right, we have uh, this conversation? Yes, it's crazy. Next up, we have Jay Magnus Agunaki from Color of Change. She's gonna talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the stuff Color of Change has been doing. Talking about with Revolt and the Kanye West interview on Drink Champs, but also about a meeting that they had with Elon Musk and kind of what their expectations for Twitter are going to be moving forward. I'm sorry about blab- blathering on about that, um, but I don't know. The nigga's depressed. All right, Jay's up next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, guys, we have a special guest for you. Welcome Jade Magnus Oganaki. Jade Magnus, wow, what a name. <laughs> um, Is joining us from Color of Change. Look, I have friends. Okay, we've talked about it on this podcast before. I am friends with the people over at Color of Change, a great organization. Shout out to Rashad and everything else that they're doing over there. I'm also friends with the people over at Revolt, which is going to make this next conversation <laughs> pretty interesting. And of course, you guys know that there was fallout over Yay West's appearance on Drink Champs. Drink Champs, which is a podcast that has the visuals appear on uh, the Revolt platform. You can watch on the Revolt app or the Revolt YouTube space. Now, obviously, we know that when Ye was on there, he said some pretty, pretty, really disgusting things about George Floyd. And my friends over at Color of Change hit me up and were like, we want to send Jade on there to have a discussion about what was said and what Color of Change feels like Revolt should do about it. Uh, Jade. Thank you for joining us on Higher Learning today. Um, and I will let you take it over from here. Thank you. And to be clear, we talked to Revolt. You know, we had a great, I had a great conversation with Itavio. So um, uh, we're friends with Revolt too. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, 
I was in the car with my husband on on a Sunday. I had not watched the Kanye Drink Champs interview at all. And I was scrolling Twitter and, you know, I'm seeing clips and I saw, you know, something that really shocked and startled me, which was that um, Kanye had said that George Floyd did not die from uh, police violence, which we all saw with our own two eyes, but that he died from a fentanyl overdose. And so, you know, if Kanye had just gone on revolt and said, or on drink champs and said, white lives matter, you know, there's nothing for us to do there. People are allowed to say whatever sort of like wild reaction that they want. The problem that we have at Color of Change, which um, for those who don't know, we're the nation's largest racial justice organization. We're a black led organization with millions of members. The problem that we have at Color of Change is when somebody's um, intentionally spreading disinformation. And there's a difference between saying something wild or saying something reactionary and spreading disinformation. And I really want to outline it here. You know, the difference is that disinformation is bad information that's deliberately created to mislead and deceive people, right? And so Kanye did not pull the George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose. He didn't just pull that out of his head, right? That's actually um, a lie that was intentionally spread in 2020 in the spring to discredit what we all saw, the largest protest movement of all time, the movement for Black lives. And so, you know, our stance was, News networks like Revolt, particularly Revolt, which is a Black-owned news network, they have to have a hard line against airing disinformation, right? People are allowed to have their own viewpoints. They're allowed to have their own opinions. But it gets really dicey when you're spreading disinformation because it's such a huge problem in this country, in this world. You know, some people first really notice disinformation around the election, right? That's like, you know, the whole Russian conspiracy is what a lot of people, that was their first um, introduction to disinformation. For me, I started thinking about it a lot around COVID and how hard it was to find good information about how to stay safe. I remember when COVID first hit, I live in New York, I was seeing posts like Black people aren't getting COVID. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I was trying to suss it out. Like, is this good information? Is this bad Drink ginger ale and it'll cure it. Yeah, Absolutely, right? And so sometimes people are just saying things, right? And they're not trying to say anything bad. They're just speaking, you know, we all have like an uncle or a cousin who's like the pyramids were created by aliens, right? There's nothing intrinsically harmful about that, right? That might be misinformation, which is just- I mean, We don't know. Accurate. <laughs> but you know, that, mm -hmm. that just might be misinformation. The problem is that there's an entire industry that's designed to create lies to discredit any tiny ounce of, of progress in this country. And so, you know, color of change is not like we're just going after revolt. We've gone after every news network possible to really have a hard stance around disinfo, because the problem is that. When you say when you say a lie, what there have been studies that show around disinformation that when you say a lie and then you fact check it, people never remember the fact check. They only remember the lie, right? And so we have a demand to all news networks and not just Revolt. And as I said, I had a great conversation with Detavio. Um, you know, all news networks have to draw the line when it comes to airing disinformation because it can really be a matter of life or death. And we really saw that around COVID, right? There were so many people who were just honestly overwhelmed with good and bad information. And many of those people 
you know, were unable to stay safe because of the, the horrible information that they received. And news networks everywhere are really grappling with how to deal with it. It's it's a new thing, right? The fact that everybody mm-hmm. has a platform, the fact that everybody can, you know, open their mouth and pretty much say anything. And it can spread, you know, the, the thing about social media and the algorithm is that it rewards extremism. Saying the nuanced, thoughtful thing doesn't spread on social media. Saying the extremist thing always spreads on social media. And so we see the ways that lies circle the globe so quickly based on this amazing, sometimes amazing, sometimes awful thing called the internet. Um, And so, you know, we reach out to Revolt and ask them to take it down, not because Kanye was saying things that were anti-Black, not because he was saying things that were uh, uh, misogynist, but because he was spreading disinformation and we felt like the news network needed to take a hard line stance against it. Hmm. So, oh, you got a question? No. Okay. So, all very well said. And we we definitely discussed this, um, you know, when it happened on Drink Champs 2 and the fact that it was on Revolt's platform. I'm interested in how those conversations are going because I do think that what was even more is shocking at the time that this came out and it came out in Revolt is that we were hearing that the shop also did an interview and decided not to air it. And I do think that as Black people, we have a level of responsibility, a higher level of responsibility to be gatekeepers when it comes to this disinformation that you're speaking of. Do you think maybe we will get an apology statement from them? Well, the you know, the conversation that I had, it was, you know, it was a confidential conversation. I can't say too much, right? But I will say that Color of Change is invested in helping Black organizations and Black news networks get it right, right? And so, you know, we're not just going to them with a demand. We want to help them understand disinformation because, as I said, like, there are many news networks who don't understand it. We ran a campaign uh, during the 2020 election asking them, you know, to turn off, you know, to stop airing Donald Trump's lies about COVID. And we're working with Revolt to really, um, we want to work with Revolt to really talk to them about disinfo and really train um, and not just Revolt. There are other Black-owned publications and outlets that we want to talk to too, because again, disinformation is a fairly new concept even the most established networks don't really have a way to air it. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if the shop didn't air what Kanye said because it was so reactionary and it, he was saying some things that were like very wild or offensive or if it, it's because he was spreading disinfo. And so, you know, color of change is not, you know, I'm not, look, Kanye wants to say white life matter. I think that's so corny, right? I think it's like the corniest thing ever, but it's just not worth my time to run a campaign against. What is worth my time to run a campaign against is to run a campaign against disinformation that's seeking to um, uh, reduce trust um, or belief in the fact that Black people are consistently harmed and killed by the police. That is an issue. And, you know, the wild thing about disinformation is we all saw it with our own two eyes, right? We all saw George Floyd get killed. I think a great information, a great example of this that's happening right now that's not harmful at all, but it's like the Drake and 21 Savage rollout, which we're seeing, right? They're like, oh, they did the cover of Vogue, right? You know, and then it's like, oh no, they didn't do the cover of Vogue or, oh, they're doing a tiny desk and like, no, they didn't do a tiny desk, right? It just proves how easy it is on the internet to mislead and confuse people. And so when you're a news network, when you're a news organization, you have to have a really high standard around that because people are looking to you for truth um so i talked to some people over at revolt my pals over there shout out to the peeps and they seemed very very uh concerned and open to the, the conversation i think the what, what i was able to 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 get from them was that 
um, you know, the brass at Revolt, and I hosted Revolt Black News not too long ago. I was out there. I'll do the Revolt Summit every single year. I have so much respect for what they're building and what they're trying to build over there. But it's very important at Revolt in particular for them to represent the entire diaspora. Mm -hmm. They don't want to seem like there is a liberal slant. They don't want to seem like there is a conservative slant. They don't want to seem like there's any type of slant. They're seeking to build a platform where black people can come. And I know that this statement has been poisoned, but speak Mm -hmm. freely. Mm -hmm. They want to build a spot where they can come speak freely. And I think they felt like the uh, the disclaimer at the at the top of it was enough to let people know, hey, this is not what we're saying. This is what he's saying. Why do you feel like the disclaimer falls short of that? Well, you know, again, it's not for us. It's not about left or right. It's about right and wrong. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying that Kanye can't go up there and say Trump 2024. You know, that that is a he just can't, he lie. can't lie, you know, and it's like. Yeah. None of us can, like, you know, none of us can go to our job and spread a lie about our boss, right? Like, we will get fired. Like, you can't just lie on people. There's consequences for lying, first of all. So that's the first thing. But when those lies are coming from, like, the grossest, most disgusting, uh, hateful parts of the internet, it takes on another dimension because we know that those people don't mean Black people any good at all, right? We know that th- we yeah. know that they don't mean us any good at all. And so really, that's, like, where the challenge comes through, you know? how I feel about it is that, you know, where is the line drawn with this information, right? So Connie can get on there and say like, oh, George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose, right? That's a lie. So before the election, let's say Ron DeSantis's black surrogate goes up to revolt or any other news network. What if he gets on there and says felons can't vote? Will we air that? Because that's also disinformation that's seeking to deceive and confuse us. Where is the line drawn about which lies can be said and which lies can be not, cannot be? And that's why I really feel like there has to be, we feel like color of change, there has to be a really hard stance against disinformation. Um, you know, it can be edited out, right? Like, you know, I'm not saying, you know, there are people who, and I may have my personal opinions about whether or not Kanye should be platformed or deplatformed. I'm not bringing those into this conversation i'm talking about our concern at color of change is around disinformation and he can't get up there and just lie on people mm. yeah um last question for me speaking of uh you mentioned the the darkest places on the internet we're seeing a rise in what's going on on twitter i'm not a twitter person like van i had such a good oh. joke no. When you said darkest place in the internet. No, I don't want to deprive you of it. Go ahead. It's, so, it's, it's no, inappropriate. It's is it, dated. Is it a... Yeah, it's inappropriate, man. You know? He's itching. He's itch. Look at him. He's wiggling. He's supposed to say it so bad. Right. Listen, I was going to say just to, to what you were talking yeah. about, about the darkest places on the internet. We're seeing a rise in hate speech and not just against Black people, against other races and, and marginalized groups as well. You guys at Color of Change were involved in a meeting with Elon Musk over the increased usage of the N-word on Twitter. How did those talks go? And do you think it made any kind of impact on how we're going to see Twitter move in the future? Yeah, is it, you know, 
color change has been running campaigns against Twitter, like for like probably almost a decade now, you know, like we were the people who ran the campaign for four years to get Trump kicked off Twitter. And when he finally did, it was like a huge moment for us. You know, we've been literally on the phone with them in meetings, like get this man off Twitter. Same thing. He's <laughs> lying. He's threatening people. You got to get this man off Twitter. And so a couple things. One, um, our president, Rashad Robinson, was invited to a meeting to represent Color of Change and talk to Elon Musk directly with some other civil rights leaders, uh, Derek Johnson from the NAACP. Um, and, you know, they went in with three demands, which he agreed to immediately and said, like, yes, I will do that. Um, they were all very short term demands. They were things like um, keep the election integrity um, policy that you guys currently have that doesn't allow disinformation around elections to spread. Um, they're around things like don't bring back people who are deplatformed from hate for hate speech, you know, a number. That's President uh, Trump. Period. Right. And so that included him totally. And so, you know, are you telling me that Elon Musk promised not to bring President no. Trump back to Twitter? So he said he will not bring back anyone. They're very short term demands that he would not bring back anyone who's deplatformed for hate speech until he has his new council. Because, you know, he's like trying to bring together this whole council with people from like varying viewpoints to develop a system criteria mm -hmm. for who gets to be on Twitter. So these are the things he committed mm -hmm. to. And so, you know, I run campaigns against corporations every day of my life. It's very rare that I go into a, a first time conversation with somebody and they're like, yes, I will do that, you know. Um, but at the same time, the, the demands were extremely short sighted and I do not want to like give so much credit. Right. Because like they were short term demands to like sort of get us over this election hunt. And, you know, at a time when I, I mean, the latest stat I saw was that the N word has risen up like 1700 percent. At first it was like 500 percent, mm -hmm. now it's 1700 percent, you know. Seeing that, seeing how, you know, uh, the whole board of directors was fired and he's in total control. I mean, we're dealing with the, the richest man in the world who's extremely powerful and um, color of change is all about fighting back against corporate power. And so um, while the conversation went well and the demands were met, it doesn't mean we're like, oh, that went so good. Like, we're going to leave Twitter alone. Elon's great. Totally not there. Totally thinking of other avenues to protect Black people on the platform because we know that Black people and particularly Black women are much more prone to harassment, bullying. That's why, you know, you said you're not on Twitter. A lot of Black women, you know, in the public eye are not on Twitter because of the extreme hate that they receive and the violence that they receive. Um, and so... So based upon you guys' meeting, would you say you're meeting with Elon Musk? I'm not to cut you off, sister, but I did. But I'm so sorry. I'm so toxic. Would you say that based upon your meeting with Elon Musk, that Twitter is a safe space for black no. people to be on right now? No, no, no. <laughs> it never was. It never was. It's not going to be a safe space now. Absolutely not. I would never say that. No, absolutely not. I mean, Twitter before Elon Musk was not doing a good job at protecting black people on any level. So no. Definitely right, right. under him, is it going to be like, oh, automatically so much better? No. The internet's not, you know, these social media spaces are not safe for us in general. It's just the truth. Yeah. Uh, thank, you thank you so much, Jade Magnus. Um, we, want, we want to have you back because we want to, especially with the Elon Musk thing. <laughs> Y'all might have your shot for I'm the Elon Musk thing. <laughs> Wow. No, I'm joking. I'll, 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 yeah, no, no, tell, no, tell, no, <laughs> tell Rashad to no, kick no, it. No, no, no. Tell Rashad to kick it. Tell Rashad Vance no. says kick it. Um, uh, because I want to know 
if he follows through with everything. Well, that's that what we're trying to fi- follow through too. Like, you know, it's yeah. like you go into the meeting, someone says they're going to do everything, you know, now we're waiting to see, you know, so we'll see. Mm. Mm. Jay, thank you for joining us today on Higher Learning. Please keep our number and come back whenever you got something. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Thank you. You too. Well, we'll see uh, if Elon Musk listens to him or not. I'm not hopeful. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked we took the meeting. All about appearances, sadly, is what I feel. But, you yeah. know, maybe we'll be wrong. Do you know what I did earlier today? What did you do? I watched a movie. <gasps> Man. I did. I was too curious. Okay, wait, I had to watch it. You watched the movie. Have you changed your opinion from what we said last week after having seen it? Because now you are no longer curious. Mm-hmm. You have seen it. You are well-equipped in a way maybe that you weren't last week to speak on what Kyrie said Yeah. and this documentary. Did you find that it had anti-Semitic language, thoughts, rhetoric in it? Okay. So. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, my ass. <laughs> okay. So the documentary is uh, very interesting in the way that it uh, starts because it starts in a lot of different places, you know, talking to it. There's, it starts with an interview with a couple of the guys and they're talking about some things. And then there's like a, a, a um, almost like an extended sort of montage of different people that they say are waking up to the enlightenment of stuff. So it goes through that. But then it kind of begins in the infotainment part of the documentary. And this is what it begins with. This is what happens in the documentary. Okay. So I I, I, uh, I taped it on my phone. I'm not going to replay that stuff, but this is what it begins with. This is one of the first things, one of the first pieces of information that you get when the documentary actually starts. This is about 24 minutes in, but still the, the earlier 24 minutes, they're talking to you about stuff. But they lead up to a point, they say, then, okay, it's three hours long. And then they say, okay, we're going to get to it. This is one of the first things they have. There's a quote. The Christian cannot read his Bible except through Jewish spectacles and therefore reads it wrong. As a result, Christians don't have God's word on a certain matter. They have the Jews' word. Judaism is not only the teaching of the synagogue, but also the doctrine of every Christian church. uh, That's in single quotes in America. Uh, Through our propaganda, the church has become our most avid supporter. This has even given us a special place in society, uh, a special place in society. They're believing the lie that we are the chosen people and they the Gentiles. Okay, that quote is from uh, Henry Ford in a writing called The International Jew, volume four page 238 they have it all cited right there um this 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 is scrolling this information is scrolling okay so it goes on uh right and 
it gets to the end, it says the Jews have established five major falsehoods which work to conceal their nature and to protect their status and power to wit. The Jews are Israelites, number one, and thus God's chosen people. Two, Jesus Christ was a Jew. Three, that six million Jews were killed in a, holo in, in a Holocaust during World War II. Four, that all races are equal and or that all are brothers. And five, that the Jews are just another religious group. We are obligated to conceal our own particular character and mode of life so that we will be allowed to continue our existence as a parasite among the nations. Uh, that is attributed to Ashkenazi Jew Harold Wallace Rosenthal in an interview in 1976 by Charles A. Weissman published in June of 1992. This is the beginning of the documentary. Okay. So I'll tell you why I point that out. So hmm. if you were uninitiated to who Henry Ford was, or the Dearborn, uh, the 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 Dearborn Independent, which was Henry Henry Ford's um, newspaper that he routinely used to disseminate anti-Semitic teachings. Uh, if you didn't know any of that stuff, right, and you were watching that, you'd say, mm -hmm. "Hey, oh, this is what Henry Ford and whoever this other guy was." And I'll have Donnie look him up real quick, um, so that we can kind of suss out who he is. And you think this is just, you know, adding context to what it is that we're going to talk about. What I'm telling you though, is that when this documentary starts to get down to its information piece, it starts with not coded, not um, covert, not undercover. It starts with virulent anti-Semitism, like virulent, like, classic henry ford who uh i guess he saw the light later on in his life whatever henry ford is responsible for putting into the world some of the most aggressive anti-semitism that we've ever seen mm. so much so that he inspired adolf hitler i want to i want to um follow up with the the <laughs> the supposed words attributed to Harold Wallace Rosenthal. It, it took it took very little curiosity to suss this out. Harold Wallace Rosenthal is described in that quote as an Ashkenazi Jew. The only problem with that interview is that it's not real. The Anti-Defamation League has called it a fabricated document and questioned why the author would wait and to publish that 18 months after he had spoken with Rosenthal, who was murdered in 1976. So this guy was dead when this came out, okay? And there is a lot of confusion about whether or not Rosenthal, who was a senior aide uh, to Senator Jacob K. Javits and was murdered in a terrorist attack in Istanbul, Turkey in 1976, even said those things. So for me, you have one thing said by one of the most virulent anti-Semites ever, and you have another thing that a lot of people are saying wasn't really even said, that it was a bogus interview, that the guy had already died, had been dead two years before this came out, 
And it was just attributed to him by someone and said that he said that. So it starts off in a very questionable way. So I think, and the reason why I say this is to to bring up the point that I think people are missing about this particular doc. So I watched the entire doc and the doc talks about uh, ancient Africa. It talks about, um, I have family members who are Hebrew Israelites. These are things that I've heard before. Um, how the the lost tribes and you know the the sons of Noah and how that relates to the earliest understandings of Hebrew, the earliest understandings of 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 what we as Black people really are and who we were. Basically, simply put, we are the original Jews, and Judaism was was uh, was practiced in large degrees in Africa and parts of Southern India. All over different places, there's a connection to us being the original Jews, right? Okay. That in and of itself isn't problematic to me. It's not problematic to say that in a world bygone, that black people were made up of all different types of situations, that we weren't just Christians and Muslims. Sure, sure, But that there was actually a large contingent of Africans um, and darker skinned people who were Jews. I've, we've, we've talked about this. We've long held the notion that Jesus Christ was probably a much more dark skinned man than Michelangelo painted him. That a lot of this stuff is sort of recontextualized through the lens of the history of, you know, whoever's writing the story. I think the the problem in this is that the reasons why this history is lost starts to be put squarely on the backs of a worldwide conspiracy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. led by a select few people whose goal it is to cut black people all over the world and all over the country away from their uh, true heritage, true ancestry, and true knowledge of self. The reason why I'm letting this out for people is because it's important for them to know why this is so enticing and intriguing to a large portion of black America. And I'm attempting to do this with some nuance because I want to believe that these brothers are wrong and not evil. But for people who've had so much of their history mangled, shredded, and stolen, there starts to be more, there starts to be a lot of humanity in what's missing missing, and a lot of vindication in who took it. And people are looking for someone to blame. So the fact that it would start off with if if we were listening to uh if someone was making a documentary about the state of black americans in this country and it started off with a quote from david duke yeah you would say the rest of everything in here is bullshit like contextually why would i listen to anything in here and i'm not saying that the history in this documentary is accurate because i don't think that a lot of it is 
You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it's fascinating to a degree if you're uninitiated to kind of, you know, some of the criticisms of what the black, black Hebrew Israelites are doing. If you're uninitiated to when certain parts of Africa might have accepted Judaism based upon historical study and when they're saying they accept them. I think that, you know, it's the stuff that you hear from people who have a specific dogma, right? This is a religious sect that we're talking about. But, you know, in, in terms of like what this really meant and how people should, should feel about it, the reality is if you're Jewish, you shouldn't be putting up with this shit straight like that. And it, it just, just, I watched it. Like, seriously, it starts off and it starts off with a quote from Henry Ford. And I'm like, yo. So to you, I'm, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just saying, I'm like, yo. And I wonder, did he, does he know what he's watching? Did, does he have a clue of what he's looking at? Like, and I'm, and I'm looking at all the rest of this stuff and I'm like, this is like, classic shit there's i mean every classic thing well there's 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 a little bit of jesus stuff in there like there's some holocaust denial in there all of the classic shit at when it started i'm like wow okay where are we going from here well i do think that there's if if i'm looking at his history and i'm looking at him posting what he did about alex jones he wasn't as informed as to who alex jones is so he might not have been as informed about henry ford or some of the things that he was seeing to be able to immediately recognize how anti-semitic this film is not excusing him but it might go to your argument of wrong versus evil but listen to listen to this let's stay on kyrie because listen to this cuz If you play into the wrong versus evil, Kyrie doesn't necessarily think that he is the type of, he is a person who can have anti-Semitic beliefs. Donnie, can you play the clip? You have any anti-Semitic beliefs? Again, I'm going to repeat. I don't know how the label becomes justified because you guys ask me the same questions over and over again, but this is not going to turn into a spin around cycle of questions upon questions. I told you guys how I felt. I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I think what people want to hear though is yes or no on that question. Yes or no. I I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. Um, You believe that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I believe that he believes it. Well, I mean, look, so I, I, I mean, the, well, because Kanye uh, said the same thing. I, I know. But like you guys, like I've been hearing that since I was fucking nine years old. Like I, literally one uncle in the nation, uh, one cousin in the nation, another uncle, black Hebrew Israelite. Like I, I, I've been hearing that since I was a kid. We are the true Semitic people. So we can I cannot be anti-Semitic. I've been hearing that for so long. OK, so long. I've been hearing that. My question is this. So black people are the original man, right? Life started in Africa, starts there. We talk about ourselves. We refer to ourselves as the original man. You guys can put a kufi on my head if you want. I believe that. I believe that we're the original man. So the question is, and I would ask Kyrie and Yadis, can white people be racist? If a white person comes up to you and says, hey, originally I am black 
So what's up, my nigga? <laughs> this like it's obvious to me. I mean, yes, you yes, I've always felt this, just like I think you could be anti-Semitic. I think it's very obvious, but as you stated, and as we're seeing from these two individuals, they're really there are a lot of people who don't believe that that's possible. You can't be. I've had white people say to me, but is can Kanye be racist if he's against black people if he's black? Yeah, I mean, he can be. A, you know what? Look, I don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. I don't know what's going to how this is going to end up. I've had people in my friend group very close to me hit me up and tell me how good they thought that documentary was. It, I, I just be honest with you, Kyrie. I, that doesn't I, shock be, me from your group. <laughs> You've shown us a spectrum. You've shown us a spectrum you know of, you of your what? friends. You know, it, if I told you the friend that said it, you would be shocked. Would I know you, them? Yeah, you know them. You met them before. Oh, and I have to have a long. And I have to. Have, oh, I have to have a long conversation. I, well, not even they a long conversation. Nah, man. <laughs> Now I have to have a conversation. <laughs> I have to have a conversation. From but home? see, but see, <laughs> hey, but look, but look, but look, I don't they, these are my brothers, man. And they and you know, and they, you know, these are my brothers. I know that we just we gotta talk things out. And for Kyrie to say that he wasn't promoting the doc, the fucking doc is the hottest movie of the uh, of the fucking holiday season now. Well, yeah, watched you watched shit. it too. <laughs> I, I just couldn't. You know I what? People people called me out. They were like, Van, you didn't even watch it. You're, you're talk, I, ha I had to sit down and look at three hours of my life. It's three hours. Well, right, at least you can speak to it. Thank you for doing that, the heavy lifting, because I wasn't going to watch it. <laughs> so, so thank you. <laughs> okay, full disclosure moment here on, on Higher Learning. We are... Coming back to tape a little bit more because something has just happened. Uh, as a result, actually, Rachel, do you have the, the the statement from the Brooklyn Nets in front of you right now? I can pull it up. Okay. Uh, would you like me to read it or you want to take it? You have it? If you I have it, go. Okay. Go so Kyrie Irving has been suspended. He has been suspended without pay until further notice by the Brooklyn Nets. I will now read... Uh, the Nets statement in full. Over the last several days, we've made repeated attempts to work with Kyrie Irving to help him understand the harm and danger of his words and actions, which began with him publicizing a film containing deeply disturbing anti-Semitic hate. We believe that taking the path of education in this challenging situation would be the right one and thought that we had made progress with our joint commitment to eradicating hate and intolerance. We were dismayed today when given an opportunity in a media session, that Kyrie refused to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs nor acknowledge specific hateful material in the film. This was not the first time he had the opportunity, but failed to clarify. Such failure to disavow anti-Semitism when given a clear opportunity to do so is deeply disturbing, is against the values of our organization, and constitutes conduct detrimental to the team. Accordingly, we are of the view that he is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. We have decided that Kyrie will serve a suspension without pay until he satisfies a series of objective remedial measures that address the harmful impact of his conduct and the suspension period served 
is no less than five games. Rachel, what you got? No less than five games. So it no could be more. Right. I, assu- I assume it. Yeah. I, I, I assume it will be more. I think there's a fair chance that Kyrie Irving never plays for the Brooklyn Nets again. Unless he apologizes. Which I don't he's see not it happening. To. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, no, no, no. by the way, I'm not saying that. I, that I'm not saying that I wish that. I'm saying that this oh, is a yeah. pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, I think it kind of has to be. I feel like they're back with everything. What I'm not saying that they don't wholeheartedly believe every single thing that you just read, but they're almost backed into a corner because of everything that's happening right now in society. And Kyrie has been given a number of chances to take back the things that he said he's given the <clears throat> excuse me he's been given the opportunity to hear other people say why the things that he's saying are so harmful and how they're offended by it he has not taken responsibility for the information he put out there or the things that he said and so at this point you can't allow it and you're not really having a lot of other people come out publicly and be a players and condemn Kyrie's actions. I myself was at a Brooklyn Nets game where it was business as usual. People cheering like crazy over, um, well, I almost said Kanye West, cheering like crazy over Kyrie, despite the things, the, the, the messages that he's putting out there that are so harmful. I think that if you don't do something, then it opens the door for other people to be able to speak out in a similar fashion. And if you don't do it with this, if someone comes out and says something that's racist against another group of people, are you, are you going to let that ride? Are you going to punish that? I think that there has to be something that's done because it becomes a slippery slope. If you don't honestly, a slippery slope either way, but something has to be done. You know, I'm hoping for the best in this situation. You know, I'm hoping for the best uh, for the people out there that have been harmed by these words. I'm hoping for the best for Kyrie Irving. Look, this is a an interesting situation for a lot of the players in the NBA to be in. Because what they're being asked to do is advocate for another community that's been hurt historically um, and traditionally as well, you know. Um, yeah. And it might be something that they feel like stepping out too far puts, <laughs> let me just be honest with you. There's some tribalism going on here. And in times when there are assailants, everybody everybody clings to their tribe. And there are probably sure. a lot of NBA players who are uncomfortable with coming out against Kyrie Irving uh, because, not because they agree with what he's saying, but because they may actually feel like what's happening to him, they might not understand the weight of it. They might not understand, not that they agree, but they some of them might be feeling like, wow, why is this this serious a deal? Are they ODing by coming with him like this? And remember, you guys have to understand coming at him like this. You, have to, you guys have to understand. Like, um, there is something that happens sometimes within the community where we realize that somebody is wrong, right? And we're like, all right, they're wrong. And then mm-hmm. the penalty and the punishment for what they've done is so severe that we go, well, hold on now. Y'all going too far with it. You know, we're going too far with it. You get like, it's it's like, I remember uh, like a friend of mine sent me, 
you know, I'm not even going to do the friend of mine shit because y'all get just, whatever. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that there might be some players here that don't know what they're supposed to do and don't want to be out of the NBA fraternity and feel like they're betraying Kyrie or anybody else uh, by not coming out and, and, and saying what, what, what a lot of people feel like they need to be saying. But this right here is a really interesting development, Rachel. It really is. And let me pull up. I, I personally chat on mine. Go ahead. Personally, Go ahead, this could make it worse. Well, this, and this that's has what I was going to say. This has the, this has, this move right here has the potential. This is a very d- delicate situation for the, for the Nets, the NBA to martyr Kyrie Irving and in yeah, martyring him, you are, it's already happened. It's all right. Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. No, go for but it. That was like to that point, I'm looking at a group chat of mine that's totally on board with that. They're say, talking about how messed up it is, how they're forcing this black man to apologize again yeah. and to do what they want. Yeah. They're saying who's going to support him now being scared of, of, of I'm reading, I'm reading what's in the chat. Y'all don't come at me, but just like being scared of, of, I don't even just want say to say that part. I know <laughs> what, 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 what I'm telling well, you guys. There's a, there are people who it's going to have the opposite effect, which is, uh, and I, and I, and maybe that's why people are from, to your point, why some people are afraid to speak out, but they're saying this is kind of plays into this whole narrative of being scared to go against the community. Yeah. I'm trying to, I don't, I don't agree with this. I'm just, just saying, you, other, being scared. The side the, of it. The, okay. So what, being scared so, to speak out. Go yeah. Ahead. Just so look, there are people that say, even when, when Kanye started losing everything, there are people that go, okay, hey, gotcha. This is proof that the Jewish community has some sort of absurd uh, amount of power to like smack you on your face or smack you on your behind when you say something crazy. And that's why I'm saying like, I'm not in any way saying that, uh, that Kyrie Irving shouldn't be disciplined, but they have to walk a really <laughs> this is risky well that's why it's a slippery slope on either, either side either way you go yeah Nothing by, or doing something by suspending him it 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 raises this to an all new level i'm telling you right now anyone out there that is serious about black jewish relations needs to get busy we're gonna have. I'm gonna reach out to my to to my friend Rabbi Ari Lamb, and we're gonna yeah, have it. some people on here. We're gonna talk about this because we are at a very precarious time with two people that represent that are at the top of their games in their in their respective industries, and talking talk about fashion and basketball, uh, mainstreaming a real divide. And something that may have been festering for a lot longer than what we think that it has been, and it it, it people need to get serious. And I, I I have yet to see whether or not this, in a grand scheme of things, will make all of this stuff worse. And I think that it probably Ooh. will. Well, if you compare it to the Trump effect of Trump constantly saying, "Watch if I say this, watch if I do this," the fake news media is gonna do this. And then it happens and he's like, see, I told y'all they can't be trusted. I'm not saying it's necessarily, you know, the same thing, but 
it's like Kyrie said this, you know, some people say, yay said this. And then, then you have something that happens. I, to your point, I'm not saying that any, all those different ways we're talking about this. I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with that, but it's important to talk about because there is a large group of people as I'm reading a group chat of my, some of my good friends. So they just fans friends. I'm putting yeah. my friends out there too, sure. who are really like, this is a form of slavery. That's what they're saying in the chat. I don't even want to keep going. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel's so, Rachel, they got you enslaved. You're scared. Um, but, but, I don't want to say, put my friends out there. I, mean, I know. But. This is what I'll say. This is what I'll say. This is what I'll say. If this were your community that was were being assailed, if this were your community, whoever you are, whoever you are that are listening right that that that's listening right now, if this were your community that were that was being assailed, you would want this same thing to to happen. You would want absolutely a, a line in the sand drawn and a bar set that says "Don't jump," and that that's the way you would want this dealt with. And I think part of the problem with this is for black people, we do get fucked over. We do get, why can't I say the N-word? Mm-hmm, like when mm-hmm. I was at TMZ, I got, why can't I say the N-word? Like I got those arguments. They never said the N-word in front of me, but like from Harvey. Sure. So it was like, well, people are buying it and singing the music. Like, why can't they say it? And I'm like, well, I, and there's times where you go, well, Shouldn't we be able to understand the pain of something? I've told this story before. It was like there was a time when we were when when we we would have these, and these would always be like these hypothetical intellectual landmines to put Van in, and and now let's argue with the opinionated black guy. And I remember one time, you know, Lil Dicky was on the show, and I had a camera guy ask Lil Dicky about the fact that he says the K word in his raps. And mm-hmm. so then I'm pitching that that I'm pitching that to Harvey and him. I'm saying, well, here, Lil Dicky is saying the K word. Would you guys like to litigate whether or not it's okay? Now, far be for me, I did not want to say the K word. Sure. But I wanted them to know that what rappers do on songs should not translate to what a consumer of those songs and those words then yeah. gets to say. And he shut it down so fucking quick. Like he shut it down. So, and I remember somebody else was like, Van, are you saying you want to say the K word? I'm like, no. Are you guys saying you want to say the N word? Like, what's the difference? And so, and so because of that, sometimes, and these are things that, you know, cultures butt heads with against because of that, sometimes people end up on the wrong side of arguments uh, because of the way they feel. They don't feel like it's the same for them. Kyrie Irving is a hundred percent wrong in this situation, like a hundred percent wrong, but there are going to be people that say, they're going too hard on him. They are. They will, and they are. And can I just say also about the NBA backing themselves into a corner of having to respond? NBA, the NBA, WNBA, and the NBA were very outspoken in 2020. And they did a lot of, you know, surrounding Black Lives Matter. And in a response to what was happening with this 2020 racial awakening and really stood behind the movement. Okay. So if you're going to stand behind one marginalized community, how, when one of your players is speaking out and putting out anti-Semitic rhetoric and refusing to apologize, 
you're going to have to stand behind that community as well. So I stuff stuff. We'll see. It's, um, this story is going to be ongoing. So, and we're going to keep yeah. talking about it. So y'all keep talking just, about it. You're ready. Uh, Dwayne Wade's ex-wife accuses him of pressuring the trans daughter to change gender for his own financial gain. This is one of the nastiest fucking stories I've heard about in a long, long time. Savon Funches Wade objected to multiple factors outlined in her ex-husband's position petition to legally change the 15-year-old's name. Obviously, we're talking about um, uh, Zaya Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, she says that Dwayne Wade, who's 40 years old, is positioned to profit from the kid's name change and gender change with various companies through contacts and marketing opportunities, including but not limited to deals with Disney. <laughs> Dwayne Wade's ex-wife yeah. is asserting that Dwayne Wade wants to pressure a kid into changing their sex so that Disney will pay them for it. Yeah. Listen. I don't think that... The ex-wife has custody. Oh, he has custody, but I don't know what her relationship to this day is with with Zaya. I looked and, up and on. The, I, lo- I looked around there. She's she's pretty involved in the lives of the kids. I, I, I looked around. I did a little research. It doesn't seem like there's any estrangement right there. Well, yeah, because what doesn't make sense to me is if you've heard one interview, one conversation that Zaya has had with with any outlet, whether whether it's on social media. She's very clear in, in in who she is and what she wants. So I think to make this accusation as if maybe she doesn't want these things really is gross. I mean, it's that's that's pretty big allegations. And then I guess if I'm just looking at the history of this relationship between Dwayne and his Dwayne and his ex wife, like. This isn't the first time that it's gotten really messy, but to throw a child in between and say that the father is using the child for his own personal gain, which let's be honest, Dwayne Wade doesn't look like he needs anybody's money at this point. It's just really gross. And I just hate that that, that a child is involved in any of it, any of it. So, so she says that in April 2022, there was a meeting with Wade in Atlanta. Um, and she says that Dwayne Wade said a lot of money had already been made in relation to Zaya's name and gender issue. Uh, question for you. Mm-hmm. Two parents here. Father has full custody. Yeah. Mother not have full custody. I'm very aware of this story because I covered it when it was happening on the old TMZ. Right. Um, Dwayne Wade was able to get full custody of his kids. Uh, It was very long and drawn out. And it seems like uh, Miss Funches Wade is still trying to, you know, figure out what their life is going to look like, you know, as co-parenting or get custody back or whatever. I did wonder in this situation, though, if the child is going to change their gender and stuff, how do you do that when you're co-parenting? Is that something that both parents 
should have a say in or does like how does that work well i would be interested in whatever the custody agreement is between i mean if he has full custody he does have full custody then i then i wonder i'm not a family law attorney but i wonder with full custody does he have full control of the decisions that are made or did she agree to allow the name change but then maybe is upset now with what she feels is exploitation. I don't know. So it, it, if somebody has full custody over the kids, then whatever they say goes. Yeah. I would think that they're, they're in charge of all decisions when it comes to the child. Mm. I would mm. assume that I, I, again, I don't know with this particular situation when it comes to um, changing the name and the gender, but mm-hmm. Usually when you have full custody, you're in charge of everything. And then there's there might be like some visitation rights that are afforded to the other side. Let me tell you why this is so nasty. This is waving the conspiracy flag like high in the air. This is like really dirty fighting. This is this is this is what everyone thinks. This is playing on the the dark corners of what everyone thinks when it in regards to trans people and stuff is like Zaya doesn't really want to change her 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 sex she really doesn't want to transition she's doing so because there's some incentive to it like Disney's gonna pay like there's an agenda this is like it's very quiet that there's an agenda Disney has an agenda to make little black boys change their sex and Dwayne Wade is somehow going along with Disney's agenda the agenda that's being pushed and there's a, there's a little bit of that that I'm sure the lawyers and everybody knows is going on and that there's going to be an entire portion of people who read this story who are going to be like D. Wade is forcing his kid to transition To get paid from Disney, which is just like a fucking wild thing to have floating around there, man. Yeah, this is I mean, Dwayne has come out and and spoken out against against these allegations and has basically said, listen, Zaya has a 4.0 GPA. Great for her. She's in honors classes and she's been able to do that all while navigating all this unsolicited and harmful attention and debates about her gender and sexuality. Um, And he goes on to say no one in our house would ever force Zaya or any of our children to do anything against their will, much less force an identity on them. I mean, like from what I've seen, they've really tried to protect her. Um, Like, I know I've interviewed Gabrielle Union before for extra the way that she speaks about her relationship with Zaya and how they support Zaya. They turn off Zaya's comments. They really try to protect her, allow her to be herself free from all the outside noise. And, um, you know, I just hope that Zaya is able to continue to stay on that path and, and just shut it all out and be the best version of her. So, uh, have you heard, the discussing audio of Courtney Clinney hurling racial slurs at her boyfriend before the alleged stabbing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not, yeah. I don't really want to cover this story, but I do want to say one thing. So they put this story up there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, under the story, I said, Dr. Umar was right. 
because it just sounds so bad. It's like Dr. Umar was right, right? Uh, now, I want to say two things about that. Number one, that was me just saying something, you know? Did people come sound, at you? They didn't come at me. Okay. Okay. They didn't come at me, even though that's probably an inappropriate joke to make when somebody mm. lost their life, and I take full responsibility for that. But in that moment, mm-hmm. my first thought was, I'm sorry that I thought this. In that moment, my first thought was, God damn. It's like, this dude is in a relationship with a white woman, and I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of meant that. Like, in that moment, like, in that moment, I meant it. In that, in that moment, this guy's in a relationship with a white woman, and she is super mad at him, and calling him a nigger over and over and over again, and then he gets stabbed up, right? So anyway, I put that there. It's up there still if people want to get on my ass about it. I was, this is on the shade room. I put this under this. I'm now a frequent shade room commenter. I was disgusted. Disgusted by you weak ass niggas that jumped under that comment caping for white women. No. I, look, let me tell you something right now. I'm, I don't have one ounce, not one ounce, ounce of vitriol in my heart for anybody in an inter- interracial relationship. Do your thing. Like, do your thing. But whatever would make a black man, a black man, jump to the defense of a white woman, alleged, accused of stabbing a black man over 20 times, calling him a nigga on audio, whatever level of self-hatred that you must have to say like black women never get like black women never get white uh, black men killed like black women never get white what? we ain't talking about black women nigga and you don't probably need to be talking about them either like I could not believe everything they say about you niggas is true I, I'm, I'm looking I'm on the post right now I'm looking because I would Every- just say- Thing they say about you niggas is true. Mm-hmm. Listen, do I think that your comment was a little insensitive about Umar was right? Sure, too broad. That's Maybe true. you could have given a little context. Maybe you could have given a little context, but I think it wasn't that a little insensitive. It was a lot insensitive. Yeah, I think that. I think that you have to talk about what happened in in the audio that we're listening to. And you can talk about that and you can litigate that separate from the fact and still and, and not disrespect the fact that that this young black man lost his life. I'm sure that 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 audio, that situation doesn't stand alone. And obviously, I'm trying to look through these comments from what you're saying it sounds like some of these people in his comments either like that or in very similar situations. It's absolutely disgusting. We got to have way more respect for ourselves. You got to. I'm in, in a, 
What? Why are you bugging your eyes at me? Bucking I'm listening because you're right. I'm like, I'm so mad. I, we got to stop I, the pot. <laughs> I'm just mad. I'm so angry this I, podcast. Man. Well, it is. It's, it's an angry podcast. It's a sad podcast. But I mean, just the level of hatred you have to have to let somebody continually call you out of your name in the absolute worst way and then stay with this person. I just being in an inter- inter- interracial relationship, I feel like. This y'all make us look so bad. I've said this time and time again. I would never, this is disgusting. I would never allow my husband to call me out of my I was my about name. to ask you. I was, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. This is a serious question I have to ask you. Go ask you're, me. You're in an interracial relationship. Like I speak up on interracial relationships. In an interracial relationship. Let's say you get in an argument with Brian and he calls you the N-word. Would you guys get a divorce? It's going to end in one or two ways. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know what I mean. I would I'd, I'd rather not incriminate myself and say it on the podcast. It's one or two ways. <laughs> one of two ways, I mean. Is there, is there any... Is there's, there, no, it, there's no way. If you, if you know me, because uh, before you even fix your mouth to say that, you already know, you should know how detrimental that word is, how violent that word is, how disgusting that word is. Before you even fix your mouth to even think that word, you should already know. So then the fact that you would fix your mouth to say that towards me, what are you trying to get from me? What are you trying? What are you trying to make me feel? What are you trying to what are you trying to make happen here? I just I could if I heard Brian say it to somebody else, we still got the same issue. I'll just never understand that. Thank God I'm not that way. But I, when, I, when a situation like this happens, I feel like I got to speak up on behalf of interracial people. It'd be like, we're not all like this. This isn't what goes down <laughs> in interracial relationships. I'm sorry, I'm upset. I feel like I got to be like, well, this isn't what goes down behind closed doors. This isn't how it is. This is a man who clearly, and I'm sorry if, if it sounds like I'm speaking ill of the dead, but I'm speaking towards the audio recording that we heard. This is a man who did not love himself, who did not love, I'm sorry, mm. not love his people and does, and, and, and allowed other people to just disrespect him in the most disgusting way. I just, I mean, even in the audio, he says, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. Like, so what? Like the word didn't mean anything to him. Or the fact that she was spewing it at him didn't mean anything. It's like he didn't gather the hatred that was coming out of her mouth multiple times as she was calling him the N-word. Oh, hmm. honestly, I wish that recording had come out. We, we, we know this woman clearly hated this black man. We know that she we know that she stabbed him this many times. We know that she that she murdered him and had no respect for him or his entire being. I didn't need to hear the recording. Hmm. Well, Rest in peace. Rest in peace, culture. All right. Uh, just real quick about this. Five lions escaped the zoo during the roar and snore sleepover for quest, uh, for, for guests. Five African lions broke out of their enclosure on Sydney's harborside Taronga Zoo on Wednesday. Donnie? Sorry, I wasn't ready. This podcast got me mm-hmm. in my feelings. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Alarms blared 
through the zoo and guests were rushed to safety before the lions were tracked down and returned safely to their exhibits. The zoo's executive director, Simon Duffy, told reporters, one lion cub had to be tranquilized. Mm. I, in the month of November, I'm going to have a zoo person. I want to host a debate between a zoo person and somebody who is against zoos. Because I'm not sure where I stand. I know you got to have the zoos. I don't think that they should be locked up, man. But at the same time, you know, you got to have a zoo. But then you you shouldn't have a zoo, right? I, I mean, struggle Bozeman's with this all- too. Yeah. I, I, I'm in between circuses and zoos. No, 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 no. Fuck the circus, dog. I just, no. I'm like very... Can't, I circus, it. circus, SeaWorld, all of that shit, done. Zoos and aquariums, yeah. different. Circus, SeaWorld, all of that shit, done. No, f- fuck all that. Fuck the circus. I'll punch a circus nigga in his mouth. Okay? <laughs> Universal. Nah, Universal don't use no animals, though, do they? I don't think they use no animals. Then what are do they, they doing? Animals? They like flipping around and shit. Wait, is it, like the Universal is it like Cirque du Soleil? Is it like Cirque I don't think they have animals. <laughs> I've I never seen it. I don't know if they have. I never heard of a nigga go, I went to Universal Circus and I fucking saw a bear rapping. You know, I never, I never, I never, I don't think the Universal Circus has any, uh, has any animals like that. I don't know if they do, Rachel. I don't I think, think they do. they at least did. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they still do. I'm seeing Peter. I don't know has why I pers- felt like I saw an elephant. One time. Okay, go ahead. Don't okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe no, I'm wrong. PETA maybe I'm wrong. has a petition. I don't know how old this petition is, but it says Universal Circus is still exploiting zebras, camels, and other animals. Nah. Okay, so that now that's I can't. Okay, so they I use dogs. Universal. Wait, here it is. Universal Circus uses animals in several of the routines, and this is not advertised anywhere on their websites. Had I known before, <laughs> I would have not bought tickets for my family. They use dogs, horses, camels, zebras, and a miniature horse. I don't fuck with the circus, man. I'm going to keep it gangster with you. Fuck the circus. Uh, I also think that if lions escape the zoo, that they should be allowed to. to if they free. got out, if they made it out. If they, I think that should be a rule. If you, if the lions make it out, they should be allowed to stay free. Because it's not like they're in there under no penalty. They're in there on some bullshit anyway. Um, And so if they escape to see what, see if I would like to see a movie lion versus New York. You know, or that, like in real life, just put the lion out there and let's see if the lion. Can you imagine just walking down the street no, in New York? Like that's that to me. I would look at the lion, and I'd be like, "You got it, dog." No, you wouldn't. You the man. I mean, I'm gonna run, but I'm gonna be like, I, I'm on his side. I wish, I wish I could talk to him. I wish I was the beast master. But Bozeman jumped in the bed this morning, mm-hmm. and. He looked over at me. Yo, me and Bozeman understand each other. I get it. So copper. Yeah, I, I looked at Bo- I looked like look at Bozeman like, hey bro, 10 minutes, huh? 10 minutes. And Bozeman went, mm, all right. He knows 10 minutes we're going out. He's like, all right, cool. I'm telling you, I got a deeper connection with animals than anyone in the world. Mailbag, let's go. Quick one. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh. It's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. First one is from Tracy J on Instagram. She or he asks, what is your least favorite animal? Got to have one. Birds. Least favorite animal? 
birds, all of them. No, I ref- I'm not doing it. This is van. This is- van. <laughs> Something came to mind. Something came to mind, and what was it? It's- I don't like like those woolly caterpillars. One got on me when I was a kid, and it was very traumatizing. Are we considering that an animal? Yes. That's, why wouldn't that, Rachel? <laughs> you, you know, some, you know sometimes you Rachel, know, like, know. Rachel, like, like, sometimes think, Rachel, think... <laughs> sometimes you say stuff. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, my wife asked me that same question last night. She was like, "Are ants and bees considered animals?" I was talking about animal games, and I was like, "Yes." I think this is obviously. a logical question. I think You're this is alone. a logical question. Thank you. Shout out to your wife. Okay, come on, let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next one isn't necessarily a question. It's more of a PSA, but I feel like it needs to be said. Judy Poovy on Reddit says or asks, uh, not a question, but a hard ask from me to Rachel and Van and to all Thought Warriors. Have they voted yet? And if not, do they have a voting plan? And can you check on three friends to make sure they have what they need to vote? Uh, yes, I work a lot with vote.org and I posted tag three people to, um, get out and vote, but I will do three more. And I'm a person, I like to vote in person. This is my first time getting to vote in California. So that's how I will be voting in person on November 8th. Mind your business, Julie. Don't worry about whether or not I'm voting and stuff you make sure you do your thing you don't ask me about my personal shit judy i fuck with you heavy i love names that rhyme and you're probably a lovely person but you ask me about who i'm you know what you know who i voted for i voted for uh she Ralph didn't Nader. ask that she didn't ask who you voted <laughs> she, for she, she asked judy, about your like, plan like judy you getting into my yet? business judy getting in my business a little bit man Just, judy man back off dog you know what I mean? We do a lot around here. Y'all wouldn't even know how much I did in 2020. You know what I'm saying? Like I there's a there's a lot being done. A lot. A lot that, that people get that people do. Judy, you know what I'm saying? Look in the mirror. Judy Pooty. You know what I'm saying? Poovy. Is that her name? With a V. Oh my bad. Judy Poovy. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Judy. I'm sorry. I'm joking. All right, one more. All right, last one is from the Lady J from NYC on Instagram. She asked, Van, if you had to prepare a fast food menu that Rachel had to eat, what five <sighs> items would you choose? Y'all. Fast food menu. Okay. This is what we're going to do. Uh, so, Rachel, I mean, I'm sure you eat Popeye's chicken and stuff like that, right? Love it. Okay, so that doesn't count. So, we're going to go hamburgers, okay? No. So, Rachel, you need to chill. I'm being serious, okay? You need to chill. Rachel, I'm going to give you a double whopper with cheese and bacon cut in half. Why is it change your life? Because for some reason, you don't eat cheese. You know this. I I really don't do dairy. Fuck. I don't want to fucking do this. (laughs) I don't, because, but I'll tell you straight up because Rachel can't have a milkshake. Rachel no. can't have no cheese. Do you know what a burger with no cheese is? Great. I've, a I've fucking actually used to eat failure. Them. That's what it is. A <laughs> burger with them. no cheese is a failure. I don't want to do it. You know what, Rachel? Don't eat fast food. Don't eat anything that tastes good ever. Eat <laughs> pork chop sandwiches for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know I'm a frequent Wingstop goer. 
Yeah. So but I don't I, always okay. eat great. I eat Wingstop way more than I should. Okay. Ju- uh, uh, Lady J, this is such a great question. So I'll give you my fast food uh, items Okay, that I like. Double Whopper, cheese and bacon cut in half. I'm not eating that anytime soon, but it is a monster. Fries, I like to get Wendy's fries. Wendy's People fries are good. The, really salty. Wendy's, Wendy's fries. I'll also get a Frosty from Wendy's. Oh. That is three things. Okay, you don't like the Frosty from Wendy's? You don't like it? Okay, Mm-mm. you get the Frosty from Wendy's. Um, also, for me personally, we're talking fast food, even though they have some questionable politics. I will get a cookie from Chick fil A. Because they got the chocolate chunk cookie. They got the cookie. I like a cookie. I'm fat. I'm a fat boy. Give me the cookie. <laughs> cookie for my titties. <laughs> cookie for my titties. Okay. Um. <laughs> I, like I don't cookies, think we man. need to get to a fifth one. I love cookies. Okay, that's fine. We don't even need to get to a fifth one. If you want mine, I'd have. Do you want mine? Yeah, sure. Popeye's chicken, three piece dark spicy, uh, Um, fries from Popeye's or Chick fil A. Love a baked mm -hmm. potato from Wendy's. Mm, Interesting. I haven't had that in a long time, but it's good. Right? I had one the other day. Mm -hmm. And I love chicken nuggets from Wendy's, spicy chicken nuggets. There you go. I do eat fast. I don't like spicy stuff. It's good, though. Your your menu was curiously better than mine. Um, It's curiously better than mine. It's better. Uh, Okay. uh, You got Unexpected Ally of the Week? Oh, no. Do you? Yeah. Um, No. Mm-mm. Actually, I do. Okay. I thought about this. I wrote this down. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. What did he who, do? <laughs> yeah. He spoke out against J.K. Rowling and her anti-trans oh. beliefs. Says not everybody in the franchise agrees with her. That's Harry Potter calling out the god of the Potterverse. Uh-uh. Weird out now. What do you mean Weird Al? Oh, he's Weird Al because he was in the Weird Al movie? Let's keep it a buck. Nobody saw that shit. That nigga Harry Potter, man. <laughs> that nigga would have to make like six more Weird Al, Weird Al movies for... Like, that's, that shit was cool. Like, like he that's Harry Potter. He Harry... <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, But yeah, shout out that's to a Daniel. That's a, that, that, I thought that that was amazing. Gotta support people. Uh, Everybody, please take care of each other and please take some breaks. You know, the weekend's coming. It's a lot of bad news. Take one extra minute in your life and try to find some good news. I am Van Layton Jr. Take the caps off, but do not stop learning. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. Bye.